0: Welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. Before we fully understand and fully grasp what, what David is talking about, we have to do what we have to do so much and so often is we have to look at the original Hebrew text to see what does it really translate into today? Because sometimes translations get confused and they get misinterpreted and things of that nature. So let's take some of these words back to the original Hebrew. Don't worry, we're not going to try to pronounce the Hebrew today. We're just simply going to give you the definition of what it would be because... Lord knows I am not even close to being able to speak Hebrew and I would just make a fool of myself. So this is what we're gonna say. So the word surely. So here's the thing we have to think about. In our context, typically the word surely is usually implying a question, right? If you've seen the movie Airplane, He's like, surely he can't be serious. He says, I am serious, but don't call me surely. right? Okay, so we all, so it's this whole idea, right? Where surely precedes a question, like surely you're not, you know, this is, but here we have to look at the original word because it's so different than, than our mindset and our understanding of the word surely. And it actually means this, only. So it's a definitive statement. It's not a questioning statement. It's a, this in fact is happening only your goodness and your mercy, only your goodness and your love are following me. And so we have to have that concept and that understanding that that as he says the word surely, the Hebrew word actually means only. Like this is what is coming after you. It is the goodness and it is the love of the father. And that right there changes what it is. And you go, man, that in and of itself is encouraging. That in and of itself builds me up. That in and of itself says, you know what? I can take things on. Nothing's going to stop me. Nothing's going to bring me. I can overcome anything because the goodness and the love of the father is the only thing coming after me. And then the second thing we look at is follow me. And the, word, and the, the follow that is, that is used there means to accompany, to go with, to pursue. Now, I would say this, that in this context, to pursue is not a, an accurate interpretation, but, but to say accompany or to go with, meaning that the Lord's not, his love and his goodness aren't pursuing you. They're there. They've caught up to you and they are going with you. His love and his goodness is surrounding you and walking with you through all things. So that is our framework and understanding through this part. As we, as we jump into this, as we look at our first thing today is this, we must make the Lord our shepherd. If we want the goodness and the love of the Lord to follow us all the days of our lives, if we want the goodness and the love of the Father to be accompanying us and going with us in all moments, we first and foremost have to go all the way back to the first verse and declare and define that the Lord is our shepherd. Too often, we, we, not too often, but rightfully so, we look at this verse and in, in, in this passage and we reflect on the Lord as our shepherd. We reflect on him as a shepherd and we look to the father throughout this. But I, I think sometimes we miss the parts and the portions of it that internalize it and personalize it. And the fact is, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And the very first thing to walk in this blessing of the Lord, to walk in the gifts that he has for us, to walk in his goodness, we first have to determine that he is your shepherd, that he is my shepherd, that he is our shepherd and personalize it and say, not just a, a sometimes and here and there and a maybe and on occasions, possibly on Sundays from 1030 to 1230, the Lord is my shepherd. And then the other times we'll figure it out as it comes. No, no, no. This is saying definitively and for certain that the Lord is my shepherd shepherd. And in that, I lack nothing. Because I said this a few weeks ago, that, that our level of fear is directly connected to our level of faith. And that our level of fear and our level of worry and anxiety and moments, a lot of times, not always, oftentimes, not I'm not talking, uh, you know, chemical imbalances. I'm not talking truly, uh, you know, mental health and, and, and needs that are, need to be directed in, in a in, Helped by a doctor. That's, you understand what I'm saying? But in our day-to-day stress and worries, a lot of times we stress and worry over things simply because we need to, because our faith is out of alignment. And we go, okay, I need to increase my faith. I need to step into this position and understanding that the Lord is my shepherd. And in that I lack nothing. And from that then flows the blessing of the goodness and the love following me all the days of my life. We have to allow the Lord to be our shepherd. If we wanna walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil, the Lord has to be our shepherd. If we wanna sit in the presence of our enemies and eat without fear, without worry, and, let, and, and letting them watch and, and look on, we have to allow the Lord to be our shepherd. David is writing this to us, not, not in a sense of, uh, of, of perfection because we know David's failures and we know David had mistakes and he had problems, but David is writing this from the position of saying, you know what, in all things, in all circumstances, no matter what I face or walk through or go through, no matter what I'm up against, no matter what fear, what worry, what stress, anxiety, whatever is ailing me, the Lord is my shepherd. And I'll lean on him in all things, in all moments. So when he made that decision, he stepped into the blessing that was the goodness and the love of the father with him in all situations. I'm gonna talk about the goodness for a moment. When you walk with the goodness of the father, there is nothing that can have victory over you. Think about that. I, I think Paul makes reference to this in Romans 8, 28. And he says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. I think this is what, I think Paul's thinking back to the words of David in this moment. Paul was a good, was a good Jewish boy. He grew up in, in the synagogue knowing the Psalms and the words written by, by David. He would be aware of this, of this 23rd Psalm that was there. He would be fully understanding what was happening. And I think he's thinking on these words and saying, uh, you know, the, the, the Lord works all things for our good. And as you walk with the goodness of the Lord, that no matter what you go through, no matter what you face, no matter how dark the valley is, the goodness of the Lord is following you. The goodness of the Lord is with you. And we have to stop at times and remember and recognize and breathe. And say, you know what? God's goodness is with me. God's goodness is with me. God's goodness is pursuing me. God's goodness is surrounding me. He is with me. We know he's working everything for our good if we make him our shepherd. To walk with this blessing requires humility. It's the understanding that, that on my own, life becomes unbearable. On my own, life is stressful beyond what I can handle. On my own, anxiety is always knocking at my door and depression is, is, is a moment away. But when we fully trust the Lord as our shepherd, we can step into the provision of his goodness. Knowing that in all things, he's working for my good. When I don't see it, when I don't recognize it, when I don't understand it, even in the hardest moments. Does this mean that that there's never gonna be a bad time again in my life? Does this mean that when I step under the protection of the shepherd of the Lord, that all of the sudden I don't face hardship, all of the sudden, all of the bad goes away and it's just rainbows and dandelions, except I hate dandelions because then they sprout up everywhere, but it's rainbows and daisies, right? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Let me encourage you today. You will face hard times. Let me encourage you this morning and let you know things are gonna get bad from here at some point in time man, that doesn't that, that just feel so good? Like, man, I know that at some point I may have a flat tire this week when I you know, the most inconvenient moment, right? That's just kind of how that works. But knowing that even in those moments, even in the hardest times, even in the most difficult of moments, even when things are stressful and tough and you don't want to endure it, that God in that moment is still working for your good. We may not always understand it. We may not always see it. We may not always be able to grasp it or explain it but we can trust in the fact that God is working for our good. He is working all things together for our good, what we can understand and what we can't. And we also have the love of the Father. The interesting here, uh, thing here is that the Hebrew word for love, um, this one I can pronounce is the word hesed, and it actually means loyalty and joint obligation. It's kind of a unique word for love, right? Loyalty. And joint obligation. I think really what, we're, what we hinge on here is, is the, the loyalty aspect, but I think far too often we neglect our part in the relationship with the Father. And we, we sit back in our American culture, right, in, in, in our mindset of, in our, our thought process and world of entitlement. And so we walk into the relationship with the Lord, like, okay, I have shown up now, I am here. Uh, here is my list of demands. I'm going to sit back and wait for you to fulfill them all uh, because I am now here, I have arrived and I am what it's about, right? We do that unintentionally, right? It's just a part of who we are. And then we get upset and angry with God. And this is fair, right? That happens when he doesn't meet our demands or when he doesn't answer every single prayer because it's a prayer, it's not a demand, right? This is difference. right? I know I'm treading on on like uh, the line here and you're like, wait a minute. This may get uncomfortable. It's good for us but we have to, we get into that place where we're saying, okay, but God, I said this, I said this, I said this, I said this, and God is going, I know, and you don't know why I'm not doing what you're asking, but I promise you, if you trust me, I'm working everything out for, for, for your good. But we get into this mindset that it's about us. It's about us, it's about us. And we already threw that out in, back in verse three of this thing, that because it's about his namesake, it's not about us. And that all that he's working, all the good that he's doing for us is so that it stirs our affection and our love for him. And so that we praise his name. And so, so we have to understand our side of it, that, that we fall under submission under the Lord within this shepherding relationship that we say, I'm gonna set under you. I'm not equal with you. I'm not walking side by side with you. This isn't a, a collaborative effort where we go, that's a good idea, God. But what, just think about this for a minute. What if we did this instead? And the Lord is going, it's funny because I already told you what you needed to do. Yeah, that's great, but... That would require me to change some things. And I don't know that I'm good with that. And the Lord is saying, I didn't ask for your input. I just asked you to be obedient. And that's the hardest part sometimes, right? Saying, okay, in this joint obligation, but the other side of this love that we see here is this loyalty. How many of you are thankful that God is loyal? Man, he's so loyal. Again, I Continuing in Romans 8. Again, and I've said this before, uh, starting in January, we're doing a 12-week series through the book of Romans. So uh, it's going to be awesome. We've got books that we're going to put in your hands that will help you do personal Bible study throughout the week as we work on the same text and everything that we're doing on that Sunday. So don't miss that 12 weeks. Anyway, so here we go. Romans 8, we're going to go 31 to 39, and it won't be on the screens because, sorry, Scott, I didn't get you that one. Yeah, Romans. It says thirty, starting in verse thirty-one. It says, "What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us?" Side note: If you want to be encouraged today, go read Romans chapter eight. Uh, You may start weeping like a baby, like I did in Starbucks one day as I read this. Anyways, uh, I'm sure people were like, "What is wrong with him?" But it was really cool. Anyways. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written for your sake, we will face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. That's in in Psalm uh, 44, but it says this in verse 37, no. Like all of those things I just listed, there's nothing. He said all these things, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is something to get excited about. And so when Paul, when David writes and says, your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, Paul comes along and says, David was exactly right. There is nothing that you can walk through, no, no dark valley, no depth, no, no height, nothing you can do, nowhere you can go, can separate you from the love of God. And that is the fact and the reality that when, when you step under the shepherding of the father, and you say, first and foremost, you're my shepherd, then you step into that love that accompanies you, that walks with you, that goes with you through the hardest moment, through the darkest moments, through the most difficult of times, the love of the father isn't going, oh, this is, he doesn't say, you know what? This is really hard. So I'm gonna take a break for a moment. You've got this. It doesn't work that way. He's saying, my goodness is with you. I'm working all things together for your good. And in that my love is with you and I am walking with you through all of this. You are not alone. And in fact, you are more than a conqueror. That's one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible that there's nothing that I can go up against. There's nothing that I'm gonna face that, that is gonna be able to overcome me or take me down. Because if I step into and walk in the love of the father and the goodness that he has for me, I am more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror and that should help to encourage and to build you up. No matter what you face, there are things in life that are going to cause stress, right? We, we have stress. We have stress. We have anxiety. We have worry. We walk through depression. We go through those moments and it's real. And I'm not gonna belittle that or take it away, but I do know this, that even in those moments, we have a God who loves us enough to stay with us and carry us through and his goodness and his love will follow us all the days of our lives. He's not bowing out early. He's not getting to a point where he's tired and going, you know what? I just need a break from you for a minute. How many of you know that sometimes with your own children, you're like, huh, you know what? I just need a break for a minute. And aren't we thankful that God doesn't do that to us? <laughs> that he has so much patience and can endure through all the hardest moments with us and carry us through. I do know this, that when it's your child suffering and going through something, you have enough patience to last a million years. And so when God sees us going through things and war- working through the hardest moments and difficult moments, he looks at us and says, oh my child, let me carry you through. He says, your goodness and your love will follow me all the days, all the days of my life. Unless we surrender to the Father as our shepherd, we can't step into the goodness and love that comes with it. That means we surrender to his correction and his comfort. When you look at a shepherd, he has his staff, right? And we've talked about the, the rod and the staff that comfort us, that, that sheep have, have weak eyesight. And so that at the end of the day, they would pass under the crook of, of the shepherd's staff and they would feel that. And there would be that sense of comfort knowing the shepherd was with them, right? Knowing that the shepherd was there. So that if they heard things, they was calm because they knew the shepherd was there. But also that was used to pull sheep back in alignment and to put them back in place and where they needed to be. He's like, whoa, 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 you're getting a little off. Let's come up, come this way, come this way. And he would set them back in place, set them back in order. So, so, to step under the Father as our shepherd, that means we surrender his correction and his comfort. It means his truth and his grace lead us. What do you mean by truth? Truth meaning the Word of God is serious about things. It, it calls sin sin, right? And it, and it points those things out and it says we're all sinners, right? And if we just leave it at that, that's awful. But if we only preach grace, if we only say grace, then here's a statement that I love. And I heard this as a kid, truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. And so to understand the way the shepherd works and the way the father works is to step into and say, okay, I accept your correction and your comfort. I walk in your truth and your grace. And finding that balance between the two. If you want to walk in the goodness and the love of the father, it starts by making the Lord your shepherd, first and foremost. We make the Lord our shepherd. You can tweet that out, but don't give me credit. I didn't come up with that. So, Does anybody still use Twitter? I don't know. Just kidding. I don't know. I truly don't know. Second thing is this. We must learn to dwell in the house we must learn to dwell in the house. The last portion of this, this text is so awesome. He says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. So what does this have to do with our response? You know, so how do we respond to, to saying, okay, this is what the Lord has done for us, the goodness and the love has come to us. So how do we respond, right? What, is, what do we do? And, and, and he says, we gotta learn to dwell. So what, is this, so what does it mean to dwell, right? Again, we have to look at the Hebrew text. This is where it gets, it, it can sometimes, it changes and it almost enlightens the meaning, right? It's like, wow, this is incredible. So the word dwell means this. It means to turn back, return to a point that we previously departed to return to a point that we had previously departed. And then the word house is, is palace or temple, palace or temple. And so, so the word dwell, this is encouraging, this, or this is intriguing rather, that, that it says that it is to return back. So when we think dwell, we think to sit or stay, right? To be in a place. And really it's kind of the thought of, have you ever dwelled on something all day? Like you're just thinking about it over and over and over. And it's not that it's continuous and nonstop. It's that you keep coming back to it over and over and over. And sometimes stress in our life does that, right? To where we find ourselves dwelling on the thing that is eating at us, right? The dwelling on the thing that is causing the stress, dwelling on what's causing the anxiety, dwelling on everything wrong around us. And it's, and it's not a constant and continual. It's like we can function for long enough to get things done, but then what do we do? We return back to it. We return back and we return back and we return back over and over and over to the point to where we are not finding freedom or escape from these things. And so, so David is saying, So your goodness and your love follow me. They're with me. They walk with me through all of these things. And so I will dwell in the house of the Lord. He said, I'm gonna return to the house of the Lord. Now I'll say this. There are two schools of thought in in understanding this last verse. And and I would say this, both of them end up in the same place and we're gonna walk through both. So I don't find fault with any direction in trying to understand what David is saying here. The ultimate way to understand what David is saying would be to ask him. However, he's been dead for a long time. And so- uh, we're not even going to begin to attempt to ask him. I don't even think they know where his tomb is at this point. So it would be next to impossible. So it's just not going to happen. So when we're in heaven, we'll line up and be like, David, hey, break it down for me, right? What were what you really saying? Anyways, so there's two um, schools of thought. And so the first one would be this, that, that David is referring to the temple. And he's saying, I will dwell in the temple. I will dwell in a place of worship all the days of my life, you know, for, for forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, so he's saying, I will keep returning time and time and time and time again in worship to the Lord. I'll keep coming back and saying, Father, thank you for what you've done. And, and, and I think this even lines up nicely with, with verse three, where he says, and he guides me along right past Why? For his name's sake. And it's that, that returning to the Lord and returning back in worship and saying, oh, thank you, Father, for what you did for me. Thank you for what you've done for me to the point that now it has stirred our heart and our affections for the Lord to the point where we go, all I want to do now is worship you. I want to worship you. I want to exalt you. I want to magnify the name of the Lord because of what you've done for me because it's not about us, right? When we understand that it's not about us, see, if it is about us, then our response is, it's about time you did that for me. If it is about us, it's it's it's. I asked for this three days ago. What took you so long? But when it's about the Lord and our affections towards Him, when He does it, you go, Oh God, You are so good. We are so thankful for what You've done for us. We are thank you. We we we're thankful for the blessing that You've poured out. We're thankful for Your goodness. We're thankful for Your love. We're thankful for all that You have given and done for me. And it just pours over for His name's sake. Have you ever had those moments where you've just walked through the darkest moments, and you find yourself in a moment of worship, or a moment of prayer, and you're pursuing the Lord, and all of a the sudden, there's just peace in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the valley, in the hardest moments, in the darkest times, And you find yourself in that moment dwelling in the house of the Lord. And it's as if the weight is lifted. You can finally breathe for the first time. I've had those moments myself, right? I've had those moments where it it seems as if the Lord has just walked away, right? We can be real. We can be, and and we know he hasn't, right? Yet in in our perception of where the Lord is, it's like, where are you, God, right now? Where are you? And the Lord is saying, I'm still here. If you'll just pursue me, if you'll just find me, if you'll just come and dwell. I've shared this before, but there's an old couple riding in the truck together. He's driving, and she's sitting in the passenger seat, and she looks over and sees a young couple in a truck next to him, and she's sitting in the middle seat right next to the driver, and the young man there, and she turns, the the older woman turns to her husband and says, remember when we used to sit like that? And the older man turns to his wife and said, I'm not the one that moved. Take a moment to let you figure that one out. Sometimes I wonder if, if God's going, hey, uh, I'm still sitting here. I'm still here. If you'll come and just sit close to me, come and find yourself near me and feel the love and the goodness that is following after you, that is walking with you, that is comforting you in all the moments, in every moment. So then the other school of thought is this, that David is actually making reference to heaven. And so kind of, the argument I'll throw this out there real quick. So kind of the argument is one goes back to verse three saying, well, no, it's gotta be returning to worship because the house he's referring to the temple and it's for the name of the Lord. So it's worship. And others say, well, David couldn't live in the temple. Nobody lived in the temple and why he couldn't live there forever. The only place he could, so, so now you know the, the kind of the, the theologians discussions on these things. Some of them are so petty and useless that I go, how about we just let the word of God correct us and change us and make us more like him. And then we'll just move forward. It's good. So here's the other school of thought though, is that, is that David is referring to heaven in his eternity and saying that, that through all of this, no matter what comes my way, if, if it kills me or not, I win. In the end, I'm in the presence of the father. In the end, I'm in the throne room of heaven. And therefore I have victory over whatever it is that was attacking me on earth, whatever I was walking through on earth because I have the shepherd over me. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus kind of speaks and uses similar language in John 14 as he talks about heaven. And he says this, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? Jesus is saying, I'm not lying to you, believe me. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Which I think is a logical question in the moment. Thomas is a pretty logical person. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, David obviously is right in this pre-Messiah and pre-death and resurrection. And, and so there's no reference to Jesus and his understanding of salvation and, and, and how it, you know, how the plan ultimately would unfold in this moment. So David, as he's saying this, he's saying, I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord. And Jesus is saying, my, my father has a house. There is a home and there are, there are so many rooms there. It's this massive, massive place where you can come if you follow me there, if you, if, you, if you walk with me there. And then what happens in eternity? Now I know that the only thing, we're not just going to worship all the time, but in eternity, what happens? Our hearts are going to be so stirred for the Lord and so overwhelmed by the goodness and the glory of God that we will worship him we will fall at his feet and worship the Lord and we'll be in eternity with the Father and all it will do then is forevermore stir our hearts to worship him because it's for his name's sake. So what should our response be to all that the Lord does for us and, and, and with us and carrying us through should be to worship the Lord. It should be to praise the Lord. It should be to bring glory and honor to the name of the Lord because that's his desire is for his name to be lifted high. And the word tells us that if his name is lifted high, right, that he'll draw all men unto him. So as believers, our response to the goodness and the love of the father is to worship him and to glorify him and to magnify his name in all that he is. Here's the coolest part of all of this as we kind of bring to an end these last four weeks. But it says, "Well, under the old covenant, the sheep would die for the shepherd. Here's what I mean. The shepherd being the common man, just the everyday people. And in the old covenant, there had to be a sacrifice made to atone for sin. You look in the Old Testament, and there's this huge ritual and a whole long thing, and the spotless lamb would be brought to the temple and sacrificed and laid on the altar, and it would be given for the, the forgiveness of sins, right? That was the process. In the new covenant, the shepherd died for the sheep. In the new covenant, the shepherd died for the sheep. Jesus, the good shepherd, lays down his life so that we... The sheep may have eternal life. Revelations 717 says, For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. All the stress, all the worry and anxiety, all the tears will be wiped away. So whether it's to worship the Lord in the house here and now, or, or if David is looking to an eternity in heaven, worshiping the Lord there, either way our response is to worship the Father and say, God, we thank you for your goodness. And in that, there is peace that overwhelms. In that, there is freedom from the stress and the worry and the anxiety and the depression and the things that so easily weigh us down and easily pull us away from what God wants us to be and, and who he wants us to be and what he wants us to do and accomplish. How many of you know that stress is the fastest way to, to, to restrict what you've got going on? Because you go, I can't because this is going on. I can't because th-. anxiety is terribly debilitating. And if the enemy can use any tactic in your world to keep you from fulfilling your, your purpose in accomplishing what God has called you to do, he will do it. He will do whatever he can to slow you down, to knock you back and to keep you away from your destiny and what you're supposed to do. And the Lord says, that's great. He should try all he wants. But remember only the goodness and the love of the father are following you forever. I'll invite the worship team. Throughout the series, we've talked all through this uh, this twenty third Psalm and, and talked about how if the Lord is our shepherd, you know, then then we should lack nothing, and we feel that there is a, nothing in which we need because we've fully and securely uh, placed ourselves under the leading and the guiding of the shepherd. I think sometimes one of the hardest things to do is is the the humbling stage of saying I have to become a sheep when so many of us feel like we are so good at shepherding our own lives. And you go, man, I, I wonder if at times the Lord's like, man, I care for them. I, I watch out for them. I protect them. I, I feed them. I, I send them out to graze and still some of these sheep bite me. Like what? <laughs> That's just the nature of sheep, I guess, right? And yet, even in that, the Lord goes, come back over here get back in a line, you know, get, get back where you should be, come back under my protection. Let me lead you still. And it's that process. Aren't you thankful for sanctification? <laughs> because man, oh man, uh, we would be a mess if not for the process and the grace of the Lord to help us and lead us and walk us through growing and becoming like him. But as we bring this all to a close, one of the things that I've wanted to do and the things that have been on my heart is first and foremost, at the end of today, I wanna take time to pray with you. If you go, I'm, I'm dealing with stress, with worry, with anxiety, with depression, whatever it is, I, if you're carrying those things and it is way needed, I wanna pray over you. Um, I believe this in, in the New Testament agrees with me. And so rather I should say, I agree with the New Testament. And he says, you know, through the laying on of hands, I, you know, I believe, just that there's something that happens when we unite and we come together. Where two or three are gathered and there he is and it's right. So, So I wanna pray with you and I wanna pray over you and I wanna ask that the Lord will strengthen you and that you will feel him close in the hardest moments. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God and we wanna hear from you. If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc.